Brian again, your lunatic friend. I'm 70 years old now, talking about stuff that happened 45 years ago. I was 25 in 1978, and I spent most of my life in a van on the road. Except for that one time that I got married. When I was home, I would be an usher at the church. As a single guy, I was always checking out the girls. And as an usher, I could always help the cute girls find a seat. And that's how I met Jody in the fall of 1977, uh, and her boyfriend. She was a tanned California girl with long, straight blonde hair and a Cheshire cat grin. First thing I noticed is that she seemed to be quietly amused by my sarcastic humor. Deviously, I would invite her and her boyfriend to join a group of us at Victoria Station after church, just so I could look at her longer. And that's right, at 25, I wasn't always thinking about Jesus. Victoria Station was a restaurant made out of train cars, and it was our local fellowship after the service uh, when our group was asked to not come back to Coco's. And Jody's boyfriend's big mistake was one night not coming to church with her. The great thing about going out after church with a group of people is that you can kind of hide your dubious intentions. In a moment alone with her in the parking lot, I would learn that she was planning to break up with him right after Christmas. Best Christmas present I could have gotten in 1977. It wasn't lost on me that his name was Robin and I was Robin Hood. Jody was a believer and her boyfriend was not and she would start coming to all the Sweet Comfort Band concerts. In fact, you can see her in a clip on a video on YouTube. She's in the front row of a concert we did at Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa and there was a new church in Denver, Colorado that my friend Tom Stipe had started and Sweet Comfort Band was doing a big concert there with a group called Daniel Amos and her and her girlfriends would drive all the way to Denver just to see that. There was a song on Breaking the Ice that Rick Thompson wrote that I didn't even sing on and there's a great solo by Larry Williams from Sea Wind on keyboard. It was called The Lord is Calling You Back Home Again. I think by this time we were getting kind of homesick and I was getting tired of living in a garage apartment by myself. I remember the first time I brought Jody over to see my apartment. There was an old weather beaten fence out front that I had decorated by hanging a screen door protector on the fence and she began mocking my creativity all the while with that irresistible smile that would make me all giddy and in early summer of 1978 I made the most befuddling proposal to Jody that I can't even remember now you'd think a songwriter could dial up a pretty nice proposal but I was all tongue-tied had no idea where to start it kind of went like I was thinking you know like uh maybe if you feel like I do that I mean well I think we should be together. Apparently, not only was Jody a believer, but she had the gift of interpretation of tongues. And her answer was a simple yes. And my response was, wait, what? You really? You understood that? And we would plan to get married in late August, uh, right after this next tour. Back in those days, summer concerts were a big deal. I still remember this one park in a place called Winters, California. It was mid-June and it was hotter than, uh, Phoenix. We played in the city park, on the grass, no stage and no shade. I mention it because a decade later, it would end up in the lyrics of a song I wrote. The line says, I've been to Adelaide, Sydney, and Saskatoon, Indian summers and winters in June. We finished up that tour in Bakersfield, and we had a late start getting out of town, but it was only three and a half hours to Riverside, and once again, God was calling us back home again. It was two o'clock in the morning by the time we got to North Hollywood on the 101. I was asleep on the floor. Kevin's van didn't have side windows, and he tried to make a lane change, pulling a trailer, and didn't see the car in the lane next to him. He immediately overcorrected Next thing I know, the metal next to my head was caving in. Turned out to be the trailer jackknifing into the van. We pulled the van out of a fishtail, but the trailer detached and flipped multiple times down the freeway. When I got out of the van to look, there was nothing left of the trailer. The sides were gone, the axle was bent, but our music equipment was packed so tightly into that trailer that the majority of it sat on one side panel in the middle of the fast lane, still together. Thank God most of our stuff was in flight cases, and we only lost a few monitors that were turned into sawdust. That wouldn't be the 
only time we had a close call near-death experience. So in August of 1978, I would get married, and literally a week after the honeymoon, I would be back on the road again. And through 1979, I was gone for weeks at a time because we toured Breaking the Ice all the way to Florida. We prided ourselves on high-energy concerts. We already had two songs on contemporary Christian radio nationally. The songs Got to Believe and Good Feeling. I had written a ballad on this record that we didn't play in concert. When I wrote it, it was just me on a piano. But in the studio, Bob Wilson decided to add a bounce to it to keep it more energetic. It would start with bump, bump, and bat up, and I didn't like it. And probably nobody else on the band did either, because it was the last song on side two of the album. But I do remember writing the lyrics, sitting in the front seat of the van, driving across the desert of New Mexico. I was reading out of the book of John, chapter 14, verse 3, where Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you, that where I am you may be also. And he goes on to say, I will come back for you, so that you can be where I am. I was all too familiar with going somewhere, but in this case I got the profound sense that Jesus was saying, I really love you, but I'm leaving, and I will be back. I couldn't help but smirk. It sounded disheartening to me to trust that somebody loved you and was going to go away, and you're supposed to hang around till they get back. And I was thinking to myself, by the time he gets back, we'll all be worshipping the golden calf like they did in the Old Testament. I think it was no secret that I was a little short on trust. But reading the scriptures would give me hope, as I would remember that he said, I will leave the Holy Spirit with you to be a comforter. And I had to admit to myself that I couldn't complain about the hardships that I was going through after reading what he went through. I Love You With My Life would be first played in Florida after we'd left town. WCIE in Lakeland was a radio station at the church we played at. And I'm not even sure we played the song live at the concert that night. It was not a single release, and it would be picked up by radio stations across the country. And to our surprise, it would be a national number one song. And I remember having to go back and listen to the song to remember what I wrote. I'm reminded of that scripture in Psalms that says promotion comes neither from the east nor from the west, but God. And looking back now, I realize that it might be the only song I ever wrote where it was Jesus talking to us rather than me talking about him or to him. And I don't even bother to explain who's talking, but those who know him recognize his words. 45 years later, I still sing this song almost every week. Now it feels like a note that Jesus would leave on the refrigerator. And you can leave me a note in the comments on nutshellsermons.com. And thank you for supporting this podcast.